and we'll turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, or the Mount of Beatitudes, or the Mount of Blessings. The first public sermon that Jesus preached, as recorded in this gospel, and we find a progression of faith that leads to this Christmas message, uh, which is probably not one that most of us would anticipate is what we talk about on Christmas, but I believe it is what the advent of Christ brings us to, the advent or the coming brings us to this, and when we are recipients of a new birth, when he is born in us, it comes to this. Let's begin with the first verses that we read, and we'll go on down to the verses that we're going to stop at this morning. So he saw the multitudes, he went up to a mountain to pray, and his disciples came to him, and, and he began to teach the people that were assembled, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we studied on some of these blessings. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I look at this as an Advent sermon. It's, his, it's basically his proclamation of the kingdom of God on earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. These last two verses, 10 and 11, is what we're going to study this morning. And it's a surprising fulfillment of these other virtues or attributes of the Christian and the blessings that are associated with them. And many times he mentions the kingdom in this sermon. And here in verses 10 and 11, he, um, he sort of comes to the fulfillment or the culmination of these other virtues of the Christian. And we're a bit surprised by what he promises as a blessing in verses 10 and 11. We might have thought on Christmas that he might have brought us to the fulfillment of, um, well, rest, or, or somehow maybe he should have put peace here at the end and made that the, the end of the story, but that's not what he did, right? Look at verse 10 and 11 again. Blessed are they which are what? Persecuted. Blessed are they. You say, brother, I thought we were going to have some other kind of Christmas message this morning. And you're telling us that it's a blessing to be persecuted. Merry Christmas. I don't know. I'm reading what you're reading, and he, he's, he's talking to us about blessings. And, and he's connecting those 
to attributes or virtues that get us into and keep us in the kingdom of heaven. What better Christmas message, right, on Christmas than helping us to understand how to get us into the kingdom and keep us in the kingdom. If he did anything at all in his first advent, it was to bring the kingdom to us. I I'm so happy to be in the kingdom this morning, aren't you? Father, as we continue, we pray you bless the remainder of our thoughts and uh, the, the, the expressions that follow, and we pray that, Father, each one of us might be personally convicted this morning of our experience before you. Lord, where do we stand? Lord, you came uh, in, a, in a time arrived in a very humble place for a purpose. And we remember that purpose this morning. And we believe that purpose will help dedicate us to the kingdom in our day and also it will help the more important purpose, which is to reach the lost. Because the same nativity 2,000 years ago is still needed 2,000 years later. And that same maturity that you became in those days, that same maturity is necessary today. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Glad you came here to be at Christmas service this morning. Okay. And you can go back in your own time and in both this message and also because this is the beginning, the sermon doesn't stop in verse 11. This goes on for three chapters. And look at all the messages that Jesus preaches when he begins his public ministry and look at the themes that he's talking about and what's important to him. Look at the kingdom that is brought out in these messages. And so we're, we're, we're coming here to a, a kingdom message this morning. The, the birth of Christ is the advent of the kingdom on earth that comes with Jesus. There, there, there was a watershed in history, uh, changing of the guard. It comes with Christ, and if, if nothing else, one of the magnificent things that he brings into focus in his ministry and what we read in the gospel is the kingdom of God. And so we could do well to understand well the kingdom of God. Am I in the kingdom of God? It's necessary to be in the kingdom of God. We need to find ourselves in the kingdom of God. It's not simply for those religious people or my religious parents. Every human being is meant to be in the kingdom of God. By the time our life is over, if we have any chance at all to understand that we're leaving this earth, you know, it doesn't come suddenly and we don't, we're not aware that our our death is imminent, if we have any chance at all to understand that we're leaving this earth, we're going to want to be in the kingdom of God. And all of us can be in the kingdom of God today. Let me ask by a show of hands, have you prospered, have you been blessed if you're in the kingdom of God? So look around, these are witnesses. It's not just me. See, you expect the preacher to say this, but there are witnesses here that testify, I'm glad I'm living in the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
on this earth. It's a lot better than the alternative. Many of us can remember the foolishness of life before the kingdom of God. And perhaps you can remember Christmases that you might have spent. And maybe the Christmas was a special time, but you know what? New Year's came. And then the, the days and weeks that followed in the year, and for many, um, not being in the kingdom of God, you can remember that as well. And this is a better way. It's a better way to be in this. It's not simply that we're church people or we're religious. We are meant to be found, and we are in, by the grace of God, the kingdom of God. Okay. I would like to speak to you about that. The coming of Christ is a new birth. These verses, they tell us that we're born for a purpose in this kingdom. And then some, I'd like us to think about this year that's coming up and a rededication of ourselves in this kingdom to find out, are we ready to, be, um, to carry out God's purpose in this kingdom? All right, so a new birth. You know, we can look at Christmas in two ways. We can either be a spectator or we can be a performer. And I don't know. You say, brother, why does your head work this way? I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Shakespeare said in one of his plays, all the world's a stage, and we are merely players in it. Something like that. I think I have it written down. All the world's a stage, and the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. And then he goes on to describe seven periods of life from baby to the time that we're old and what happens in each of those ages of time. And the idea is that kind of that in, in the way he was describing our life, it's, it's simply we're actors in, on a stage in a play and, and we're playing a part and the part changes through our life. But I thought, you know what? He is right in that we are actors in a play, but it's not meaningless. It's not without reality. It's not without honesty. We are players on a stage in a drama, but the drama is life. And we only have one chance to play each act of the life. In, in our infancy, we play we play an infant in our youth and so forth, and all of us here have different stages of life, but I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about an actor, a performer, not a hypocrite. Now, he was familiar with performers that put on masks. We studied this a while ago. This is where the word hypocrite comes from. A hypocrite was somebody hypo, above, over, who put something in front of who they really were. They wore a mask. And in a Greek drama or a Greek tragedy, you had the, the happy face and then you had the sad face. And those actors were called hypocrites because they placed a, a kind of covering over who they really were. Thank God we don't have to be a hypocrite today. We can be who we really are 
and not be ashamed of who we really are, not worried that the act that we played last night, I'm ashamed of that act today. No, 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 no. That's, that's the trauma of a hypocrite, that your conscience condemns you for the act that you played, the, 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 the part that you played the day before, and today you regret it. You don't want to be that person. That's what Paul said in Romans 7. He didn't want to be that person because he wasn't proud of the performance that that other Paul was playing. But Jesus is talking about the fact that we don't have to be a hypocrite, that we can take off the mask <coughs> of the part <coughs> that we don't want to play, <coughs> and we can be real. He makes us real. So we are actors, but we're not hypocrites. We are participants, we're not spectators. When God takes up residence in us, <clears throat> we become participants in the kingdom. Before that, we are spectators. Now we may claim to have entrance, we may claim to have a role to play in this kingdom, but if we are spectators, we're not participants. So this morning on Christmas Day, can you, can you find yourself in this play of life? And are you a spectator of the kingdom of God or are you a participant in it? <clears throat> you can raise your hand, as it were, <clears throat> and say, I'm a, I'm a participant, why? Because I no longer do the things that God isn't pleased with. By the grace of God, he helps me perform that role that he has assigned to me. And thankfully, I no longer am a spectator on the outside looking in, but I am a performer on the stage of life, not as a hypocrite, but as an honest person. Can you say that this morning? <clears throat> Praise God. An honest actor. We suffer for the kingdom when we are an honest actor, not a spectator. Thank you, brother. A spectator will not suffer when the rubber meets the road. A spectator will flee. There was a moment when the disciples were spectators, wasn't there? Peter was present when Jesus was being condemned to death at the trial. And Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter denied Jesus the third time. And I, in my mind's eye, I think of Jesus turning and finding Peter in the crowd by the fire, warming his hands as the spectator. There were spectators to the trial of Jesus. In that moment, there was only one actor that was being honest, and that was Christ. Even his disciples in that moment were spectators. And Peter, knowing that at that moment he was not a performer, as he said he would be, but a spectator, he bowed and his, his head in shame, and he fled that hall of, of judgment, condemned as a spectator. Being a spectator will condemn us. If you're a spectator this morning, you know whether you're a 
performer in the kingdom or whether you're a spectator. Being a spectator will condemn us. Can you remember that? <clears throat> Wanting to be in the kingdom, not able to be in the kingdom. Why? Because we put our own interest first. Ultimately, that's why we are either a spectator or a performer. The spectator puts their own interest first, and when it requires self-sacrifice, we're not willing to give it. Merry Christmas. I told you. Look at the advent of Christ and the, and the birth of Christ, if anything, is about being real. The world becomes real when Jesus is born. No more hypocrisy. We could sing those songs and say, no more hypocrisy. Jesus allows us to be real because we don't have to be a spectator. We can be a performer. Amen. An honest actor. Honest actor. Not ashamed. I, I stand here and I say this. And if, if you ever have a chance uh, to preach a message to anybody and you allow it to be real to you, it, it goes right to your heart right away. When I say, not being ashamed, that's real. The days when we were being foolish and sowing our wild oats and being just stupid about life and then another day comes and thinking back and regretting what we did, we don't have to have those days. The birth of Christ can take away the shame of sin and it can take away the desire of it. God help us. An honest actor, the new birth. In John chapter three that we're familiar with and he is preaching to Nicodemus and in verse seven, he, he, he told him, he said, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. A new birth places us in the kingdom and it allows us to be the person God wants us to be. Now the other thing is, let's continue. In verse three he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We, we, we can't even see the kingdom of God. See, as a spectator, the kingdom of God is different on the inside than it is on the outside. It looks different. If you're on the kingdom on the inside, it, I, I, I like it the way C.S. Lewis put it in his books to the children. He, he said, inside heaven, the greens were greener, the blues were bluer, the reds were redder, the, the colors were brighter. And, and, and he, in his mind's eye, he imagines going further up and further on into heaven itself. And, and things got more vivid and more real the further in and the further up that they went. And here on earth, we only have a very small taste of heaven. But even that small taste is better than the way it was when we were spectators. To be a spectator of the kingdom of heaven, it's black and white. It's not in focus. It doesn't solve your everyday problems to be a spectator. 
You may know about it. You may have tasted of it. But if you're not in it, it's not vivid. It's not really real. Amen. Something happens when we're born into the kingdom. Colossians chapter 1. And the point is, everybody is meant to be in this kingdom. Everyone should be able to preach this message. All of us. Colossians chapter 1. Philippians, Colossians. I always remember Philippians, Colossians, like PC. All right. Chapter 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? See, he's, he's saying this is who has done this in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We are the image then of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus is this, but we become the image of Jesus when we're born into this kingdom. And that he reminds us each of us are supposed to be this way. You may say, brother, I, I, I don't mind if my friend is like this, or, or my companion, or my child, or my friend, or, or you, or I don't mind if you are, but it's just not for me. This is, this is not for me. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It is for you. You are meant to be in this kingdom. Yes, it's true. There's some things you'll have to give up to be in this kingdom, but this is a better kingdom. I'm telling you, on the authority of God and having seen it, when you get to the end of your life or when you get to the illness from which you will not recover, you're going to want to be in this kingdom. And I wonder if, if some of us will have faith enough at that time to be in the kingdom. Having lived so long for ourselves, do we simply not have faith at that moment? Come on now, all right. Jesus says we should be in it. And the reason he wants us to be in this kingdom is it's for a purpose. If we go back to Matthew and those scriptures, 10 and 11. So he says, you can be poor in spirit and be in the kingdom. You can be mourning to, to get into the kingdom. You can be meek that you'll inherit the earth through the kingdom. You can hunger and thirst for righteousness and you'll be filled and all these things. And all of it is going to lead you to a purpose. And you'll have to talk to Jesus about this, but he says, blessed are they which are persecuted. And you'll be reviled or mocked and persecuted, and people will testify falsely against you. And it is for that purpose that all these other things make us eligible for the kingdom. It is for that purpose that we might be a witness. And the witnesses for God are not going to be understood by this generation. We will not be understood. But yet it's for this purpose that we, will sh that we should be a witness. In verses 10 and 11, really he's talking about the blessing comes because you are a witness. 
Now, people are witnesses for all sorts of things today. People are witnesses for their favorite sports team. They put it on their cars, they put it on their bumpers, they put it on their T-shirts. People are witnesses for all sorts of stuff. People are witnesses for atheism today. People are witnesses for alternate philosophies or new age philosophies or things like that. People are witnesses for that. I had somebody witness to me um, recently, uh, I told you, for, for they were interested in astrology, very interested in that, a witness for it, brought it up in the conversation. I'd like you to know about it. Without any remorse or any shyness or anything, people are witnesses for all sorts of stuff. We are meant to be a witness without any shyness, without any remorse, without any concern. We're meant to be a witness. But our witness, unlike all these other witnesses, you know, isn't it interesting? You can be a witness for just about anything today, and nobody will persecute you. You can be a witness for certain diets or certain foods. You can be a witness for certain ways of living. You can be a witness for uh, all sorts of gender issues. You can be a witness for that today. You can be a witness for drugs. You can say, I like this drug, I like that drug. You can be a witness for alcohol. I love this kind of alcohol. I love that kind of alcohol. You can be a witness for partying. I love partying. And you get together and you talk about it with your friends. How fun it is to party and get drunk and get wasted and lose our minds. Wasn't that clever? People are witnesses for all sorts of things. And, and people don't say, oh, shame on you. That's no good. I mean, when you go to social media today, people are celebrating these witnesses. What people are wearing, what they're not wearing, who they're with, who they're not with, what their hair looks like, what their hair doesn't look like, pictures of them when they were children. You know what? We live in a world where people are living vicariously through the lives of others. It's almost, people talk about virtual reality today, and people are just trying to decide whether you can go get a pair of goggles that puts you in another world and you don't have to be in this one, right? People are living virtual reality lives today, vicariously through through, through the lives of others. And nobody has a problem with it. But if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a disciple of Christ, just those words, sooner or later, will invite persecution. Just that, just that will invite persecution. But we are meant to be all these things so that when we release that witness, we have some measure of strength that we can stand in the day of persecution and not fall. In 2023, it is going to be another year, mark my words, of persecution for the followers of Christ. And we're not sort of like, oh, I don't know, using it as a badge of, of uh, you know, 
What is it when somebody is, um, you know, really anxious, you know? You have this persecution complex, you know what I'm talking about? You believe that everybody's against you. We don't walk out the door believing everybody's against us, but look, a follower of Christ will be persecuted in this generation. It's a blessing. No, no, come on. Merry Christmas. I'm just reading the same words you're reading. Blessed. Blessed. You say, brother, this is very strange. Blessed. Jesus comes so that we can be in the kingdom, and being in the kingdom carries with it this. <clears throat> we are not meant to hide from the world that doesn't agree with us. We're not meant to hide. We're not meant to retreat from it and save ourselves. We're meant to go out into it. The advent of Christ and his birth is the beginning of a public life where God now is going out into the world. We are meant to go out into the world and not hide from it. When we do that, we're going to suffer for the Savior. Amen. That will be 2023 for us. When Jesus was born, there was a king. What was his name? Herod. Herod was, they called him Herod the Great. He, he survived Jesus' birth. He died shortly after Jesus was born. Um, he performed mighty things for the Jewish nation. He rebuilt the temple in a way that had never been built before. It said that it was covered with gold leaf and certain things, and when the sun came up and shined on it, it was magnificent, and he built lots of public works for the people. He built the city of Caesarea. Um, he was favored by Rome. <clears throat> he was not born a Jew. He was probably best described as Arabic. His mother and father, uh, there was some Jewish blood there, but there was, he, he was more of uh, a Moabite or an Edomite. He lived in the southern part of Arabia on the other side of um, Jordan. This was Herod, the king, when Jesus was born of the Jewish people. And when the wise men came after Jesus had lived a little bit and were searching for Christ through the star, ultimately Herod wanted to kill Jesus, a baby, a child. He wanted to kill him. Herod wanted to kill all the children from two years and younger because Jesus meant a threat to his kingdom and his monarchy. God is a threat to the world which doesn't love God. And those that follow God will receive that also. Your witness will be perceived in 2023 as a threat to some people. Don't let it make you bitter. Don't let it make you self-protective. Understand that's part of the package. Amen. That's part of the package. Don't let it make you withdraw into a world that feels protected because that is not the blessing. The blessing is to go out and to be persecuted. Now, 
We don't go out looking for persecution, but when you release this witness, you're going to be persecuted because the world doesn't... The Romans said that the spirit of the world is enmity against God. It's hatred against God. And we live in a world today where it wants us to just retreat, withdraw, kind of hide in our cocoon and, and, and say, that place is so wicked, I want nothing to do with it. I'll just gather inside these four walls. We'll have a little community here. We'll, we'll, we'll feel like we're safe here. I want to tell you something. <clears throat> I told this to somebody recently. We're not properly evaluating risk. <clears throat> the church as a whole is not properly evaluating risk. I'll never forget when I was growing up in, in, in church, the pastor asked several of the women in the congregation to make banners that they were going to hang around the building of different themes, and he asked my mother to make one. And the, and the, the thought was, <clears throat> even if you're on the right track, if you do nothing, you'll still get run over. If you don't move, you'll get run over. You follow? And it was a picture of a train going down a track and somebody on the track. But the idea is <clears throat> there is a risk of doing nothing. The risk of doing nothing in this age is a desire not to survive. It is not to be protected from evil. Now, some don't see this. <clears throat> the risk of doing nothing is a desire, <clears throat> excuse me, not to survive. What do you mean by that, brother? <clears throat> we need to go out in the world and release our witness. <clears throat> if we presume that the world is so wicked and the only safe place for me is within these four walls or in my home, <clears throat> and I just, and I feel like nobody wants the truth. I've heard preachers say this. Nobody wants the truth in the day that we live. That's why nobody's getting saved. No, I, I think there's another possibility. The other possibility is if people aren't getting saved, it's because the saints aren't releasing the witness. I mean, why isn't that just as probable as they don't want it? Even if a person wants it, if I say nothing... They never hear the truth, do they? And you say, brother, this is so hard in the world that we live in. It is more difficult as the days go by. That's why we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. <clears throat> wise as serpent means we need to be able to translate the gospel in a way that this world will accept it, understand it. <clears throat> we can go out with both guns blazing and say, your ideas and your world is doomed for destruction. We can say that. <clears throat> How's that going to work for you? Or we can say, I know, I know, I think I have a solution for your problem. Right? And then you translate that solution in a way that that person can understand. That's the world we live in. But if we don't release the witness, there is a risk 
in not releasing the witness. Now, somebody else says, yes, brother, <clears throat> but there's a great risk in compromise. There's a great risk in, 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 in sort of wanting to imbibe the spirit of the world. Of course there is. <clears throat> so you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well then, I'll just become like the world and then people will like me. We have an identity. We have an identity here. We should, we should pay attention to what Jesus is saying about our identity. He's not talking about throwing anything out. We should ask ourselves, are we this? Are we this? Not, can I be more like that, but am I more like this? Why? Because he wants me to release a witness, and there's going to be persecution that comes with it. Amen. Merry Christmas. We need to rededicate ourselves in this year. <clears throat> He's translated us from darkness to light. He wants us to be a witness. And he tells us, I'm going to put you in a kingdom. And I would like you to think about a rededication of ourself in this kingdom in, in 2023. A kingdom has at least these elements. It has a monarch. The kingdom... Our kingdom has a king, <clears throat> and he is king of kings and lord of lords. And there is no greater than him, no matter what the world says or what our idea is. He is still king of kings. <clears throat> a kingdom has boundaries. Amen. These are things that define any kingdom. A kingdom has boundaries. There's that which is inside the kingdom and that which is outside the kingdom. God will not permit us to bring in the values that are outside the kingdom into this kingdom because they define darkness and his defines light. That should help us in 2023 because God is calling us to move down the tracks on the same track that his train is on. Not a different track. All right. We, we, we need to know what the boundaries are that God has assigned to us and stay within those boundaries. And this is not, the kingdom is not a boundaryless kingdom. God defines the boundaries of his kingdom. We need to know what they are. A kingdom has laws. Of course it does. Any kingdom is governed by laws. It's no different in the kingdom of God. He has laws that govern our behavior, of govern what we think. And somebody says, that makes the kingdom of God that you know so narrow-minded, so bigoted, so, so anti-everything, right? No, no. Everyone, everyone follows a law. It could be a law of your own making. It could be a law that somebody else gives you. But God assigns us laws. And he says, I need you to obey the laws that I have assigned for this kingdom. We need to know what they are. Are we living by God's law? And somebody says, oh, yes, brother, I love God. I didn't ask you if you love God. We asked, are you living by his laws? He tells us what they are. Let me ask you a question. On your way home this morning, and we're just, we're getting there. On your way home, 
there's several stop signs or lights between here and your house. Is it okay if you stop at some of them but not at others? And you say, well, I feel like stopping at this one, so I'll stop here. But when you get down the road, eh, I don't feel like stopping at that one, and you blow through that one. And if there's a policeman there, and the policeman stops you, and he says, you, 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 you know, you violated the law. And you said, no, I didn't. I obey the laws of this land. And he says, well, then you, you just rode through the stop sign. Well, some I obey, but some I don't. Have a nice day, officer. Not going to work for you. If we're serious about the kingdom of God, we need to obey all of his laws, not just some of them. And Monday morning comes around, or Tuesday, and yesterday wasn't so good. Yeah, I, I kept scoring. I obeyed most of them. But, you know, uh, I really, really was angry at that person. I still haven't forgiven him, and I don't know if I ever will. Blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. A law has territory. It has boundaries, and the boundaries surround a territory. A, law, a kingdom has territory. The kingdom controls territory. We're meant to be in the kingdom. We're meant to be in the territory that God has assigned to the kingdom. Are you in God's territory? Oh, yes, brother, I'm in God's territory. I rarely meet with God's subjects in the kingdom, but I am in his territory. I, I'm in his territory because I say I am. No, God defines all these things. God defines the territory we're meant to be occupying. We can't simply say, yes, I, I have my own ways of, of thinking about all these things, and so, yes, I am in God's territory. Um, and no, often I don't meet with anyone else because you know what, I, I just, I kind of have my own ways about this. Are they God's ways? God says, he still says, some assembly required. We're meant to assemble. Oh yes. Otherwise, we're obeying some laws but not others. Okay, all right. And finally, a kingdom has subjects. A kingdom does not have citizens. Now, I know there might be a, a way to interpret a word in the scripture as a citizen of heaven. But really, a kingdom has subjects. A subject is someone who owes allegiance to a monarch. A citizen is someone who owes allegiance to a constitution, perhaps, or a nation. Now, both of them have similar things in common, but really there's a difference between a citizen and a subject. We are subjects of the monarch of heaven. He is our monarch. He is our sovereign. I owe my allegiance to him. If you go to the United Kingdom, it's the Queen's Guards or the Royal Mail or, you know, <clears throat> the Queen's Health Service or these things are identified with the monarch. Are, are we all identified with the monarch this morning? When we're out and doing our thing out 
and about. We're with our friends or wherever we are. And we're in that gathering. Can the monarch be there and say, that's my subject? See, if the monarch can't say, I am his subject, I ought to feel that. I ought to feel it. I'm in danger. Thank God we can get to the place one day where we can bow at an altar of prayer, stop being foolish with the world and the kingdom of darkness, and he will translate us into this kingdom. Amen. Subjects, people who owe their allegiance to the sovereign. So there's a rededication to this kingdom this year. Philippians chapter 3, and this will be the last scripture. And verse 14. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Matthew 5, 10, and 11, that we're going to suffer persecution, and there's a blessing in this because we release this witness. Philippians 3 and verse 14. In this year that's coming, we are still going to have to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's going to take a pressing, a press, an effort. I press. Why? Because there's opposition. If there was no opposition, there'd be no press. There's a difference between being a spectator and a performer in the kingdom. Spectators don't feel the press that often because there's not that much opposition to be a spectator. You can, you can check out anytime you want. You can leave the performance right in the middle of it. People have done that right in the middle of church. Don't want to be here anymore. You check out whatever it was that didn't want you to be here, you, you can leave it behind and go out. Because why? Spectating. Spectating. As opposed to present for the performance, being an actor in the performance. Amen. Pressing, rededicating, going out, connecting with others in our community to be a witness, showing Christ every day. I talked to a pastor here last week, and he says, Brother, I, I want to know how to do what you're saying, but in my community, it's so difficult. It's small. It just seems like people don't want it. And then he went on to tell me, Oh, but you know what? I like to make people laugh, and I like to make people smile. He recalled of an incident where he was going to a medical procedure and the nurse remembered him from a couple years earlier. And he made some comment. She said, I remember you. And she smiled because he had told her something silly when he was there before. And he says he likes to just share something happy with someone at Subway when he goes to get a sandwich, that kind of thing. And people remember. I've noticed when the clerk says, how's your day going? And you say, fine. And how often do we ask them, how's your day going? And I've noticed now most of them are taught to say, fine, thank you for asking. You notice that? You hear that? 
They want you to know that they're thankful that you asked them. Because all they do all long, day long, is make change and give you your food or whatever, right? But now you ask them, uh, my day's been going over, how about you? Or maybe some comment, you know, I like what you're wearing, or um, what's your name? I come here often, I wanna remember you. And then they remember you, and you go back, and now you have formed a relationship with somebody that you had no reason knowing. Rededicating ourselves to release our witness. Just something simple. We can do that, can't we? You can say, brother, I just feel it's so hard for me to witness to people. How about being nice to people? If we have a hard time being nice to people, then we need another transplant of something. And just, just a way to show somebody in this crazy world that you really do care about somebody and then someday, maybe the Lord will open that door. Okay. In 2023. <clears throat> so I thought I would share that with you. The kingdom comes. And the reward of the coming of the kingdom, ironically, is as we release the witness as a subject of the king, we will suffer persecution. Get ready for it. Have these other things on board so that your spirit can handle the persecution because we need to release the witness. It must happen. There's a risk of not doing it. So now I'll say again, Merry Christmas. All right. And we have a couple of songs before we go. 